has happened in the world um i don't even know where to start so much has happened in the world um i know you don't watch stand up um but dave Chappelle has has been making all types of of, of headlines and and thoughts um and i guess my my dear white people is Where was the the outrage and everything when when uh, when the Chappelle show was making fun of black people or the whole R. Kelly piano girl situation? Um, where, where was the outrage then? Uh, do you feel like Netflix should 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 pull his special? If Netflix is going to pull his special, then they have to pull everything else because everything that he does is offensive to somebody. Um, and honestly, like, I just don't care because they do this to him every single time that he says something and nothing is ever being done about it. So, okay. Okay. He's he's homophobic. Okay. He's transphobic. Okay. He's misogynistic. Uh, okay. What's next? We know that. And what? So, it's because his, his last big joke, and I know you haven't seen it, um, he talks about um, he had a, a um, transgender um, friend that came to his defense after um, the, the Sticks and Stones special on Netflix and how um, she ended up killing herself. And, um, once again, um, her, her family has, has come to his defense and defended the, the closer special. Um, I, I also think with Dave Chappelle, like you should already know what you're going to get. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like every single time he comes out with something like, there's somebody that complains about something that he says every single time. Well, I think that is it. We have become extra sensitive because um, Steve Harvey made a point like throughout his career and um, he brought up Bernie Mac too. Um, their jokes have, have offended people. And he was trying to say, you know, it's just comedy. Somebody may get offended just by by any joke that you tell. So, I look at it <clears throat> two ways. The first way is that people will say things like, oh, we've gotten sensitive. But it's not that we've gotten sensitive. It's just that things are 
um, let it's it's normalized to be sensitive to things now. Um, we can use an example of how we could talk about the difference in the type of shows that you see or the the type of comedy that you see now versus you would see back when it was okay to be racist on stage. You know, like now you would when those if those same comedians came out and and were being racist or somebody their sons or something, you know, offspring came out and did some did the exact same thing, there would be outrage from black people, right? And the outrage would be okay. So why is it okay for, when we're talking about race and but then when we start bringing in other things that can be offensive to people, we're being too sensitive. So I see it that way. But then the other way when you have these um, comedians who have always been this way and this is how they, they're, this is what their claim to fame is, then you could also have an argument of then don't watch it. Know that that's not something that you're going to indulge in because you know that it's hateful towards you. But again, it's okay for us to be outraged when it comes to race for the most part. Do you, do you think it would be different if he was a white comedian? Yes, I do. I do think that white people would laugh at it a lot more. Um, I've always... Uh, like, part of me loved Dave Chappelle and part of me has issues with Dave Chappelle. Um, and the the part that I loved about Dave Chappelle is when he wasn't afraid to walk away from $50 million. Because um, I feel like, and in the story, I don't I think it was the writer's guild. I think that used to be the name of the show. Mm-hmm. or the actor's skill or something. And he talked about the whole reason why he walked away from the $50 million. Um, the f- reason why he walked away from a show being done on Fox. Uh, and then, like, his 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 mental health, because he told the story about flying out, uh, Fox giving him a call, even though his dad was sick, and he was like, I don't want to go out, I don't want to talk to anybody right now. And Fox convinced him to um, go out and talk to them. And in the process, he had this pilot that was supposed to air on Fox, and they had recast the the black female lead into a, a light-skinned actress and how he refused, you know, to do the show. But then on his way back from California, his dad died. Um, so I always commended him f- for that. Um, the ability to be able to say no, um, not only to Comedy Central, but also to Fox. Um, but I do think it's interesting what the narrative would have been had he been um, a, a white comedian. Mm-hmm. But we know that, though. That's anyway. <laughs> like, we know that. We know that the question can always be reverted back to, would it be different? And the answer, nine times out of ten, is yes. So, um, the the what the hell is happening in America? Um, a lot has happened uh, since our last podcast. Um, R. Kelly was convicted. Um, all um, counts in New York. I know he's still awaiting trial. I'm thinking, what is it? Illinois and, and Minnesota. Um, 
So, so thoughts on the R. Kelly verdict? He deserve it. Good for him. Um, I'm very so he does deserve. It. I'm very interesting to see um, what happens um, in the Harvey Weinstein case too. So you had R. Kelly, you had inflation reaching an all-time high. Um, you also had the the energy company saying um, the cost to heat your home is going to go up by fifty percent this this winter. Um, gas prices are, are, I think, at a level we haven't seen since um, there was a bush in the White House. Um, the student loan forgiveness program got revamped. Still waiting on the the fifty thousand in loan forgiveness. Um, Biden budget. I know they reached an agreement on the debt ceiling, but the the budget deal I think is just about dead now. Um, so I would say the last few weeks have been really depressing. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, locally, uh, for those in Detroit, uh, the the current mayor, um, Mike Duggan, is still refusing to um, debate the mayoral challenge. And um, Anthony Adams, and I don't even know how you get around running for a major political office without debating your opponent at least not once um also locally um james craig um running for governor of michigan um the story ran again how he's not an actual certified police officer i never heard that story so um when he became the police chief in Cincinnati, um, so you have to qualify as an officer in every state you you serve in, basically. Right. Um, he never went through the process when he was the police chief in Cincinnati. Um, when he became the police chief in, here in Detroit, uh, he was asked, was he going to go through the certification process? And he did say yes at the time, but according to the Free Press and a couple of other news media outlets, um, he never officially went through the process, um, which once again has raised questions about his candidacy as a governor. Um, I've talked to a few police officers, and they say he should have never wore the, the actual uniform if he wasn't a certified um, officer. So what does that mean for everything that he has ever done as that as the chief? How are you the chief and you not even certified where everybody else is? So well, you know you know what I'm like, does that mean anything moving forward? I, I think it raises questions one about his integrity because he did say on television that he was going to go through the process to become a certified police officer here uh, in in Michigan. Um, two, 
I think it raises concerns about not not only him, but uh, Mayor Duggan and how you can allow somebody that's not even a certified police officer walk around uh, in a uniform. Um, I, I'm a big Blue Bloods fan on television. It made me think about uh, Tom uh, Selleck character. Uh, he's the police commissioner of New York, but you never actually see him in, in a police officer's uniform because he's retired. So I, I just thought that was an interesting tidbit of news. Um, yeah, that's something I didn't even know. Um, and we just actually talked about this. Um, schools have gone to, to hell, basically, around the country. Um, COVID outbreaks, teacher shortage, um, fights breaking out. Is there a school like that? Yes. Um, so um, I've been lucky. Uh, no one fight. Uh all our positions are, are filled as far as I know. Um, no security, though, um, which is a common thing um, with, with DPS. Uh, and I think it brings to light um, paying people a, a living wage. Um, I just saw something um, that went state by state about how much it would actually what you basically, the minimum amount you need to to make to be able to afford a two-bedroom apartment an hour. Um, California was the highest at $39 an hour. New Hampshire was the lowest at $10 an hour. Michigan was kind of in the middle at $19 an hour. So my immediate thought was there's this big push to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour, but that still wouldn't cover basic living expenses for a family in pretty much 40 states in the country. Exactly. Nevertheless, that the national minimum wage is still only $750. And... Since we're talking about, you know, society into having a teacher shortage, how much on average do teachers make when they start? Um, I know when I so I know DPS is one of the highest at fifty one thousand. I know when I first started teaching, um uh, actually I found one of my old paychecks from my, my second year, my first year at um you prep them and I did broke it down by hour. I was making like fourteen dollars and I think it was like fourteen dollars and eighty two cents. Okay. So just just let that marinate. Certified teacher, bachelor's degree. And my my second year teaching I was making fourteen dollars and some change an hour, basically. And that's not the same today, right? No. But it took me many, many years and many, many pay cuts and uh, to, to get where I'm at today. And I'm still, I mean, 
and I mean, this is like a whole separate podcast topic. You single? I don't. I don't know how single people do it. Like, if I didn't have uh, my wife, I don't know how I do it either. Like, I just like I feel like even with with two incomes, it's still like some days we like you know it's more we want to do, but we making X number of dollars. So I don't. It's like single people. My my hat goes off to you. It's like. You almost need a second income. Like, I know my dad, you know, would always preach, you know, a cheaper to keeper. But hell, like, I feel like everybody need like a roommate. Like, if you don't get along with somebody, I think today's economy may have you looking at them twice. Like, hmm, is it really that bad? I definitely agree. Um, yeah, I. That's why I must move back with my mom because it's like if I don't have to, and it's not that I'm struggling, it's just that for a 26-year-old, I am stressed. For what? Stress. For what? Went to one of the, the top ranked universities in, in the world. Yeah. It makes no sense. I did everything I was supposed to do. And I still, like, in order for me to comfortably live my life, I need to go live with my mama. And, I mean, um, I'm reading more and more articles about particularly millennials that have either moved back with their parents, never moved out from their parents, um, all in the sense of just trying to make ends meet. And I, I hate the term teacher shortage or employee shortage. No, we have a paying people a, a, a good living wage shortage. And until uh, America addresses that, like, I don't see us, I don't see it getting any better. I agree. You got these, I mean, if Jeff Bezos can afford to take trips to space and waste $100 million, basically, and billions and billions of dollars doing other stuff, everybody at Amazon should be making at least $40 an hour, mm-hmm. easily. Everybody at Walmart should be making $30, $40 an hour easily. So, I guess I get off my 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 soapbox rant because we could do a whole topic on just living as a millennial. Yeah, we can actually do an episode on that if you want. Yeah. So um, after our our last um, episode, um, we had talked about talking about sexual childhood trauma in the black community. Okay. And I don't remember this. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> we talked about like R. Kelly and, and Bill Cosby at the tail end of the last one. Okay. Okay. And or even Michael, the, um, Michael Jackson, uh, 
which you know had his accusations. Okay, yeah, I vaguely remember that. Okay. So in in childhood sexual trauma is not something that's talked about in the black community. It's kind of swept under the rug. Uh, it doesn't happen over here. Families don't address it. And it's like a, a cycle that, that keeps repeating. Mm-hmm. Um, sexual childhood trauma is, is reported uh, very low uh, when it comes to black boys. It's even lower when it comes to black girls. Um, I actually had just read an article um, a couple hours ago before recording this where it talked about a a boy, uh, he's a man now, but when he was like nine or ten, he started being sexually assaulted by his mother, actually. Oh, wow. And he said, so he he told a a teacher, you know, what was going on um, in his house, and the teacher actually started sexually assaulting him as well. What? Okay. Um, and then I, so I read that. Then I also read about how black boys are, are afraid to come forward and say that they have been victims of um, sexual assault. Same thing with, with black... Black girls come forward a lot more often, but they're not believed. What's even more troubling is all of these sexual assaults are usually um, linked to either a a family member or a uh, or a close acquaintance or a friend uh, of the family. And we, 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 you know, it's easy to talk about Michael Jackson. It's easy to talk about R. Kelly and Bill Cosby. But when it comes to what is actually happening with, with black families and black children, we don't want to talk about it. Agree. I think that just, you know... And I, I feel like it's two things. Um, because I think that when you talk about this, you also have to recognize that um, we have an issue of coddling our black men within our community. So... Um, when you say coddle... Uh... I see it within our families all of the time the men in the family can do no wrong to the family. Like, nobody in the family ever holds men accountable for the things that they do. Uh, men get held to a different standard than women do. At least, that's what I've seen in my family and then within families that are close to mine. Um, we a, a perfect example of that is if you can... How many... Black men, do you know, who lived at home longer than, like, do you know more black men who lived at home longer 
uh, versus black women who lived at home longer. So, in 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 my circle of friends, um, I probably um, lived at home the longest. Um, I think yeah, I, I moved out of my parents' house at at twenty four. Mm-hmm. Um, most of most of my my male friends uh, moved out a lot sooner than 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 me. Mm-hmm. Now I do see it, you know, with a couple of my male cousins. It's like they can do no wrong, uh, especially in the eyes of um, the the. The old guard, the the patriarchs and matriarchs of the of the family, mm-hmm. um, and I mean that's that's I mean that's a topic within itself, right? Right, right. So you know, I was just acknowledging that you know you kind of have to when you talk about uh, sexual assault within families and sexual trauma within families, you got to recognize that because I've seen it within my own family where it's like. I ha- I like have heard with my ears and watched with my own eyes. One of them, I didn't watch I watched the aftermath of him beating up his girlfriend and my entire family dogging a girlfriend. She beat up. But they I never heard them say nothing bad about him. Do you so This raises a, 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 a bigger issue within the black community, right? And I think we can almost go all the way back to slavery, Jim Crow, and I kind of feel like it's ingrained in us to, to protect our black men from prison or what have you. But... Your, one of your favorite people, uh, Mark Lamont Hill. Uh, shout out to Mark Lamont Hill, by the way. Uh, he had a heart attack recently, um, so speedy recovery. But in his book, Nobody, he brings up the point that we are quick to protect uh, black men. Um, and he, he relates it all the way back to um, slavery day. But he says, nobody's quick to protect black women even though police brutality, sexual assaults are happening to them just as much, if not more, than men. So, with with the the sexual trauma, and I I heard it with R. Kelly, and I actually heard it with some of my students um, right after R. Kelly was convicted. I heard some of my students say, well, it was the girl's fault. It was the parent's fault. And I was mortified because where did you get that thinking from? Mm-hmm. And I, it, it was some of my female students that, that were saying it. So who, like, if the parents aren't protecting black girls if the outside world the family and friends aren't protecting them 
the educational system is not like who like I couldn't imagine and you know I have a 10 year old daughter at home I couldn't imagine her coming home telling me she was a victim of something and me not doing everything I could do to protect her and in some ways I mean it's we see a lot of victim shaming. Mm-hmm. All the time. Really, it's just we can talk about, you know, when we talk about this, we can talk about just people hating women. Because crimes against women, especially black women, it's, there's always a, a question of whether or not somebody the victim is telling the truth or if the victim deserved it or not it's never just this bad thing happened to this black woman and let's feel bad for her mm-hmm. it's never that ever not once you, you want to know the question i hate the most when something happens happens to like a black woman is exhausted well what was she wearing oh she shouldn't have been wearing that why does it matter what she was wearing why can't we say this this guy was wrong. He should have had self-control. She was a child. I don't care. Like, in the case of R. Kelly, like, I heard some say, well, they were 16. They should have knew better. At 16, your brain is still not fully developed. Mm-hmm. How am I say he was a grown-ass man? He should have knew better. How am I say... How do we, as a society, as a as as black people, let this go on? Mm-hmm. When him, when him and I, Ali, I forgot, but I think they were on our city of hall show. Came on matching jersey. Why ain't nobody say nothing then? And I remember that being like, I mean, I vaguely remember it because I was younger. But like when that first stuff came out, like I, when the stuff first came out, I remember like people making so much. I like it was just so many jokes about it. I don't ever remember it being taken serious. And then what I, what I hate is you have. This sense, like when stuff by R. Kelly comes out, or or Bill Cosby, and it's a black woman that 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 brings it out. It's almost like people in black society say, "Why are they trying to bring out down another black man?" Mm-hmm. Every single time. Every single time. What a what about? his victims. Why can't we ever just put the onus on the the person that did the act? We always go into to victim shaming, to putting responsibility on someone else. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, well, I don't like what he did, but I'm still going to listen to his music. But my thing is like, Again, again. And the reason why I compare everything back to racism is because it usually helps people understand. 
But when we have a white person do something that offends us, like say nigger or nigga, and we want to boycott them, you all for it. But then, aside from that, he makes explicit music. So when you know that his preference is children, why do you want to listen to that explicit music that he's making? He wrote a whole song for a teenager with the title, Age Ain't Nothing But a Number. And he was married to said teenager. Like, why do you want to listen to that? Why do you want to listen to that still? Why are you so pressed? And so you equated to racism. I'm so I can also equate it to this. The same people that that's still saying I'm listening to R. R. Kelly and it's just a, just music probably won't listen to a Frank Ocean song or a little Nas X song. Very true. Those same people, it's kind of it kind of reminds me of the um, I'm pro life, but I'm also for the capital punishment. Those those people always confuse me. I ain't never heard that argument. Oh, I've 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 heard it from a lot, a lot of my my friends on on the right. They're, they're pro-life, but then they also support capital punishment. Hmm. I didn't know those two, two things could, could go together. But back to our topic, I feel like in America we say people are innocent to proven guilty. But if you're a black woman and you've been a victim of a crime... That person's innocent and all the guilt is on you. Yep. All of the time. And it's... Because um, even... Like, we talking about sexual assault, but even just domestic violence. Or being a kid... A, a young woman in a household where, where domestic violence is, is acceptable. I think psychologically, we we do a lot of harm to, to black women, uh, young black women just trying to survive their, their, their everyday family unit. Mm-hmm. And... Then we wonder why, like, I, I, like I'm sick of hearing that, oh, she's an angry black woman. If she is, so what? She got a lot of stuff to be angry about. I agree. Black women live in a society that love their beauty, but, but hates them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I heard somebody say, like, people... American society loves black culture but hates black people. I think it's more magnified for black women. I agree. I feel like this world steals everything from us. 
You see it in Hollywood. You see it in Hollywood specifically. Everything from us. We get no credit. Um, Every day there's a different story coming out about how some influencer is paid significantly less than a white influencer who basically got all her ideas from black influencers. Um, Look at, remember when during a pandemic, when TikTok was, you know, such a big deal and um they were talking about all of these white kids and all these white kids get to be on these shows and and um doing all these at-home virtual cool performances and stuff doing dances that were made by uh black tiktokers um we we just see that all the time and and specifically young black black women tiktokers making those dances um but we see it with white women having our features and then being considered beautiful. But then you got white people making crazy cartoons about Michelle Obama. You know what I'm saying? And, like, And I know I'm married and Michelle Obama is married, but I ain't seen a, a first lady that looked better than, than Michelle Obama. Like, I know some people... Say Jackie O, but Michelle Obama is fine. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, but yeah, like, you know, our features are applauded on white people. Um, but if we have our features and they're made fun of, and hold on, wait, specifically, um, lighter people and, and white people because we could also talk about like you know black fishing and how black fishing is now a thing amongst like white influencers but how the only reason why they're able to do that is because we have this this fetish of light skinned women so um, before our, our, our older listeners pull out Google uh, what is black fishing Black fishing um, is it, it. It comes from the term of like catfishing. So catfishing came out when um, social media and, and dating sites became more prevalent. And basically, uh, you are catfishing somebody if you um, pretend to to be somebody you're not. Or, or use like different pictures, pretend to look like something that you're not to somebody else on social media. Black fishing is when white people uh, um, use makeup to make themselves look black. And they will use like, um, you know, different foundations. Uh, they may get um, surgery to make their lips plumper, um, may have braids, uh, may get surgery to um, like a BBL to Botox, yep, yeah. all kind of stuff to make themselves have, you know, Features that are predominantly on people with black ancestry. So you you brought up social media and TikTok. Um, What are your thoughts on, because I hear this all the time, um, and I've never hear it towards white women or uh, Asian women, but when it comes to black women, I do hear this a lot. Oh, she didn't put that picture on social media. It's inappropriate. Like, she's inviting um, 
DMs or or people to look at her a certain way or to be, become a victim because of um, what she put on social media. It just goes back to the notion that we're always trying to blame black women for the harm that is done to them. That's just what it is. And that's just the bottom line. But it's BS. Because like you said, it's not done to anybody else. And people can wear what they want to wear. Uh, right now, like the same people who will use that argument will watch the news and uh, and see propaganda. of, And not to say that it doesn't happen, but you know, if they're showing it here, it's propaganda. But propaganda of um, crimes against women in the Middle East where they are and dressed in full garb you can't see anything but their eyes and them women they are still being sexually assaulted and killed and raped and, and everything so what is the argument then when when all you can see is their eyeballs what's the argument then what did they do you can't you can't even see the body shape you can't see nothing but their eyeballs mm -hmm. so what is the argument then so it doesn't matter what people wear. And it, and what I'm wearing does not mean touch me. Like, at, at what point does that mean touch me? It, it doesn't, but you see it all too often. Um, I was never a, a club person. But I do remember... Uh, I don't I had to be like 21, 22, me and some co-workers, uh, you know, we, uh, we went to some club and one of the, the people I worked with that I was dating at the time, she was there too. And I remember she walked out the bathroom and this guy like yanked her arm mm -hmm. and she, you know, she kind of pulled away and he was like why are you acting all stuck up and stuff mm -hmm. so i don't know if you have any stories like that but mm -hmm. i just remember like what made him think it was okay to just to touch you know i have so many stories like that or like we can even talk about how when people are like at clubs and when men walk past you they feel the need to put their hand on your waist did do that ever happen to you? No. I didn't think so. And I, I, it's funny because I just thought about as a kid. So one of one of the things that um, that would happen to me as a kid, I so I, I would have to go to the grocery store with my mom. Mm -hmm. And I remember on more than one occasion, my mom being hit on by random guys in the grocery store. Like you can't even go grocery stop shopping in peace. Mm-mm. Like, you can't do nothing in peace. And I'm, I'm thinking about Chris Rock. I remember in one of his stand-ups, he says something like, um, black women been hit on so much, like, growing up. Like, it's nothing you could... I forgot how he worried it, but he was basically like, they've been hit on so much, like, they're over it. I agree. I know that I am. So, question for you. Like, what's the earliest you remember as a 
child being like hit on or being made feeling uncomfortable by a guy five so you say five Mm -hmm. so let's think about that so at the age of five you are now 26 so at five years old and you can't be the only black woman that this has happened to. At five years old, you're you're hit on, you're you're flirted with, what have you. Think about psychologically what that tells black girls and black women. Yeah. It first, I mean like you can't even be a child. Yeah. You can't. I remember like riding my bike one time and like a man saying like he liked my thighs. And I was like, I had just learned how to ride my bike. <laughs> and you like thighs, like what? I don't think you could ever be fully whole as a as a black woman in this society. And I'm thinking about W.B. Du Bois and the Soul of Black Folks. He talks about black people having to have this double veil of existence, how we see ourselves and then how white society sees ourselves. For black women, I feel like it's a triple veil. Because you have to figure out how you see yourself. You have to deal with black society that sees you a certain way. Mm-hmm. And then mainstream society that treats you a certain way as well. Mm-hmm. So, and we haven't even touched on like black boys and, and sexual assault or sexual trauma. Because we, we, we know it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how to fully break down or how, how suggest how we, we break the cycle. Um, I do feel like one of the issues in the black society is we don't talk about these issues. They don't exist. Right. It's like, it's a taboo topic. Yeah, we make excuses and then we move on. Or, like, I can hear somebody, well, that's just how he is, so we're not going to go over there no more. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, there's never no any accountability. It's just, well, we know this person did something. Let's just ignore them. Stay away from them. And you're not doing the victim any favors. You're not doing the perpetrator any favors. Yeah. It does absolutely nothing for anybody. What do you think the fear is? I don't know. I don't have an answer to that because... This is sensitive, a sensitive topic for me, so I don't empathize. So I don't yeah. have an answer. 
my answer would be like, and I think I said this earlier in the podcast, like I really feel like there's this stigma in the black community. If we say something, if we report this, we're sending another black man to prison. I don't know because I don't even think that people think about that. And then I I do think it has something to do with, oh, that's just how he is. That's just our family dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we talk about, and this goes back to the whole mental health issues. If young black girls are being hit on and felt on at the age of five, or in some cases younger, what is that doing to them mentally and psychologically? It certainly is not not good. Right. We start needing therapy at an early age. That type of stuff alters your brain forever and develops into anxiety and depression and all kind of disorders later on. Because as you get older, you're going to realize, well, damn, at five, this was, this was what's happening. Mm-hmm. And nobody did nothing. And I could, and it sucks. That hurts when you realize that, like, who, again, goes back to your question, who protects black women? Because at first my answer to that was we protect each other, but that's not even always the case. No, because in lots of cases, the I'm, I'm thinking about the Tyler Perry movie. Uh, which, which one was it? Uh, Family reunion, mm-hmm. and the the mom Lynn uh, Whitfield character talked about how she allowed her husband to to rape her daughter because that's what he wanted. Mm-hmm. So lots. I of, think it's this fear of losing me and so. But if they doing and and women, y'all can write in, y'all can comment, but. If he's willing to do that to a child, he's not a man. Like, what makes this person a man? Why would you be afraid to lose somebody? They, in my book, if they doing something like that, they a boy. And I just read somewhere there are some states talking about changing the age of consent. To lower it, actually. Oh, wow. Excuse me? And hell, the state of Michigan already got one of the lowest ages at 16. That's ridiculous. I'm just trying to figure out the... the, the and I think that's why you have... In my case, I'm working with 16, 17, 18-year-old young girls, and I hear them justifying R. Kelly's behavior because it's probably been justified. Behavior like that's been justified to them all of their life, so they think that's okay, it's normal. Mm-hmm. So if you've been told this your whole life, Maybe you don't know how to protect your daughter if you have one. Right. 
and we talk about breaking generational curses, but this is the one generational curse that nobody in the black community wants to talk about. Mm-hmm. We can talk about breaking the, the the child abuse generational curse. We can talk about ending economic poverty generational curse, but we don't talk about trying to end the sexual trauma within the black community at all. We don't even want to acknowledge that the sexual trauma within the black community exists. In a lot of cases, we want to... We're refusing to acknowledge that black women fully exist when we do that. Mm -hmm. Or that black women trauma is real. Because you even see it as you get older, like you said, with domestic violence situations. Oh, well, what did she do to provoke him? Oh, she shouldn't have said that. Or he was just drunk. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't, I wish I had more solutions on where we go. I wish more people would be, because I, I called several people to ask them to be on this episode. Like several people that you knew who were like. So I call people that I know were were victims of, of sexual assault as, as kids. Hell, I call somebody I know that did sexual assault to somebody um, when they were kids. Mm-hmm. Um, they were like 12 or 13 at the time, but still. Um, or just couple parents like how would you deal with this if this happened so I know for me if nothing else I'm here on this earth to protect London and Ali Mm -hmm. like you talk about going scorched earth those is two people in my life that I'm going to go scorched earth for so I don't know, like, I don't know what would happen to me if some, if London or Ali said, come up, somebody touched me here or did this. Somebody gonna go to jail. And fair enough, I'm not even a parent and I feel the same way, but I just don't feel like I can comment on that for real until I'm a parent. Mm-hmm. Well, I've had it happen with a student at UPREM uh, that I know was raped. And, you know, I, I go report to the principal, the parents don't want to do nothing. Oh, well, that was uh, that was a friend. Excuse me? Mm-hmm. But what do you think that tells the victim? Your voice doesn't matter. Exactly. You don't matter, which is the bigger thing. Your voice doesn't matter. Your feelings don't matter. You as a person don't matter at all. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how you move forward as a person after you've had that experience. And then you go tell somebody and nobody does anything. Especially telling the people that's supposed to protect you. And I'm going to be honest. Like, I don't know how... 
people that experience that are the strongest people I know. Because how do you move forward after a situation like that? And there's so many other traumas that happen to black women in particular that we don't discuss. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the trauma's not real. Or, and I think this is where the strong black women gets, it's a bad rap. She'll be okay. She can handle it. People say that to me all the time. All of the time. And it just hurts more. That's all. I feel like that's one of them little daggers that, that people don't realize that they throwing. Mm-hmm. She's strong. She'll figure it out. I feel like black women do a lot of smiling on the outside and a lot of crying on the inside. Mm-hmm. And showing up every day trying to be you has to be overwhelming at times. It is. And sometimes I do just cry. Like, I love being a black woman, but then there are some days where it's overwhelming. What would be your message to... Black families that just think sexual trauma is normal or it it happens all the time. Just because something happens all the time does not mean that it is okay. And sexual trauma is not normal. If you think that it is normal then you all need to all go to family therapy, starting at the oldest person within the family. And that goes all the way back to our our mental health and how lots of black people and black families is scared to go see a therapist. Mm -hmm. That... um, I mean, I feel like everything we talked about is inter- interconnected. The mental health. Mm-hmm. E- even when we talked about friendships, like as a black woman, like you need some type of friendship because your family might not always have your back. Mm-hmm. Or your family ju- just as messed up, so you need a, another outlet. Someone to to vent to. Even when we we talk about the the government, there's black women that go missing, black children that go missing every year. And I don't see too many search parties. I don't see too many Amber Alerts. Yeah, we just see people going hard for these white girls that go missing. And I just think about, like, my daughter wants to start walking to school and from school. And we like, no, because they snatching black girls and ain't nobody going to come look for you like that. Like, I don't feel like 
if something were to happen, like I could go to the police and feel, feel like they're going to put the full force out there to help me find my daughter. Which is sad. Mm-hmm. And it's scary. So I my my thing is to everyone listening, like the number one thing I could say if if a black girl, black young lady comes to you with something, listen. Mm-hmm. You may not know how to, to to answer or help, but just listen. Be supportive. Don't be dismissive. And I agree. As a black woman, I think that's some of the best advice is to listen. Be be a be a shoulder. Be a support system. Don't don't victim blame. So we we hit y'all with a with another <laughs> heavy topic, mm-hmm. but we said we were gonna be talking about um, taboo topics in in, in Black America. Uh, I think next time I do I do want to talk about being a Black millennial. That would be cool. I like that. I think that would be fun too, and not super heavy. Yeah, and we we can have some. Some some fun with that one, and we can talk about the 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 two the generational gap in, within Black millennials. Mm-hmm. So we gonna get out of here. Thank y'all for listening. Um, hit the subscribe button if you already haven't. Um, you can follow us on social media. At going straight in. Um, you can follow me at the Bowtie Teacher, or you can follow Kiera at Kiera D. Coleman, and we'll see y'all next time.